And I'm like, no, they're not. In two years, in two years, they, they are will. not. Yeah, in a couple years, maybe, but this year, you're oh. not. And like, I don't know what other stat you want other than wins and losses and head to head. And uh, it's like, we we are better than you in every category. I'm like, cool. We're nine and two. What's your record? <laughs> cool. Like we're using tape. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just uh it is interesting. We back in this room the last time we started a podcast, we were like, um, Rudy Gobert had just come down with Is COVID. that right? That, yeah. That was the last one we were in a studio. Yeah, it was Rudy and Donovan Mitchell, and we were like, oh, I, guess, right. this, I guess this thing is real. Yeah. And that I was think March. We said, like, uh, it'll be good seeing you, you know, yeah. once yeah. again for a few months. And, and now it's August. It's been six months. March? Yeah, five months, something like that. Lots happened, huh? Lots been going on. But we're back now. Yeah, in the same room. Yeah, and Don still got us quarantined. He's safe by himself. Well, and we're socially distanced. Yeah. Six, six-ish feet apart. Yeah, and we had a mask on. Someone yeah. temperature took our check before we got in. We'll be safe. That was good to know my temperature. I, yeah. She just told me I was perfect. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think you're special. Oh, man. <laughs> so we're getting started at, man. Where are we at with this? We're here. We had a lot of things that happened. Uh, we have a lot of different topics I think we could jump into, but I don't know if you've, I know you've seen my IG, we've seen what's been going on, and just uh, talking about the movement. Yeah, right I mean, it's, you know? it's hard, this is, you know, it's a, this podcast is about our take on the music industry as lawyers and professionals in it, and it's it's hard not to just get bogged down in, in only talking about... Um, well, nobody wants to really hear about contracts right now. I don't. Think. Right, right. There's so many other things to go into, and um, yeah, the the Black Lives Movement has been um, front and center for you, obviously, but also for the entire music industry. So I'm just kind of anxious to hear what your take is on it. Right. Uh, with me, I wanted to start from the beginning a little bit and looking at how we got to this point, almost. I mean, we can we can go through a lot of dates. I have things written down, but where I want to focus on the entertainment side things is this movie that came out in 1915 called uh, Birth of a Nation. Are you familiar yep. with this movie? Yeah. So this was uh, iconic because it was the first movie ever shown in the White House. President Woodrow Wilson had a bunch of his friends over. They watched this movie. In this movie, uh, the depiction of African-Americans is very important. In this movie, and a lot of these African-Americans that were depicted were actually played by white people uh, in blackface. So that's another key note of where this whole blackface thing, the origin of it, right? So the depiction of of all the African-Americans in the movie were aggressive, violent, uh, unintelligent, and sexually aggressive to women, white women in particular. And the hero in this movie was the Klan, the Ku Klux Klan. The heroic figure that came in and saved everybody was the Klan. So this movie helped shape the narrative of how blacks are portrayed on a mass-medium scale uh, and that white savior aspect. So if we continue to look through the film industry from 1915 on to now, we look at even the blacks that were celebrated, that we say with Oscar nominations and winning Oscars. Right. 
they fit in that category of either their character was violent, sexually aggressive towards women, the woman was either sexually aggressive or unintelligent. You know, so that narrative of how blacks are portrayed started 1915 has continued up until this point. So when we talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and all these things, a lot of it revolves around systematic racism. Right. In order for systematic racism to take place, there has to be that system. There has to be a lot of parts moving in this. So our focus, I feel like, as lawyers is the entertainment aspect of it. Right. And how entertainment, the role entertainment plays in shifting and creating the narrative of how blacks are portrayed, which leads into other industries conducting their behavior on the narrative they see. So it explains systematic racism. I think, I mean, I understand it, but it, it, it gets, um, I think it gets garbled and people just kind of dismiss it as like, oh, well, that's just BS. Like right. there isn't a system in place. The way I look at it is, it is technically a system because there are many different elements to it. The the banking industry, the housing industry, um, the government, a lot of these entities in the beginning. And if we go back through the history and we look at uh, Reconstruction after 1865, we look at the 13th Amendment, we look at like vagrancy laws and all of these different things. A system was set into place to keep blacks um, in this slave mentality. And that's another aspect that I want to get into is that slave and master mentality. And it's not just dealing with black people, but just in corporate world in general, that aspect of we have that master and his behavior and how he treats people is because he looks upon them as slaves. Um, but in the systematic racist scheme, after we say 1865, we started seeing the the Jim Crow laws being initiated. We started seeing a lot of things where blacks were now being held back by different laws. Um, and we talk about housing. There's an aspect of what we call redlining, where the government and banks got together and said, okay, this is the only neighborhood in which blacks can own land, and we're not going to put funding into this neighborhood. So these types of things starting in 1915, 19, not just starting in that time, yeah. but starting way before then, lead to 2020, where we see... Uh, projects where we see um, different education levels based upon just people's skin color. So it's systematic because it started so long ago. And the the one of the important parts of it is it's so systematic that the people within it don't even know that they're, that they're it. doing it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that it goes, there, there are actual laws and statutes that you can look up that I, I think date back even before 1915 where communities didn't allow people of color, people of different religions. So, I mean, it was, it was, that that's about as systematic as you can get where you can't live in this town if you're black. Like, right. and so those have been wiped out, but the system is still there just because those laws aren't there. There are different means and there's the whole white flight. And I mean, they're, they're yeah, right. I, I get what it is. And I mean, it, it isn't something that changing a law is going to just change the system. Right, because we say after 1865, we say 1863, but 1865 for Juneteenth purposes, slavery is over. But that 13th Amendment, that caveat of except for punishable uh, for violating the law. So now 1866, we start saying vagrancy laws. If you appear to be homeless or unemployed, we can arrest you, and now you're back in the system. So also when we think about the systematic 
racism or the systematic or just the system, it's a lot of components at play. So the reason we, we a lot of people start started in this new movement was the George Floyd situation. Right. So when we look back at policing, and you have to look at the origins of policing to understand how this came about. Right. Um, in the North, they try and say it was more about um, community protection, but the origin of it was really like in the 1700s, the slave patrol. Right. Uh, familiar with yeah. the aspect of slave yep. patrol? Okay. I was, a, I was a history major. So Word. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So that starts, and the aspect of that is to round up slaves, bring them back to their masters, all of this. And that is the origin of what we now see as modern policing. So even though they're no longer called slave patrol, if your quote-unquote mission statement really hasn't changed, now we see situations where blacks and black people and brown people are arrested and harassed at a highly portion than whites, you know, right. based upon the system. So all of these things are working in conjunction, in my opinion, because we also think about, we look at the, the, the private prison system um, and how— you can starting to play the stock market and understanding that you can buy stocks in these things. And now these companies, if you do your research, a lot of these entertainment companies hold major shares in this. So they are shaping the narrative of what they want to project in efforts of increasing prison population. So that is systematic in itself, where we're over here on the entertainment side, creating a narrative that helps us on the prison side of things that also helps us and sending less tax money to school systems because we know if they're unintelligent, they'll make poor decisions. So it's a lot of things to unpack to get to, like, what is systematic racism? So really focusing in on that entertainment aspect because I know where I was really mad at during this thing was those black squares. Right. You know, because it's honestly been— The black squares on social media. Yeah. The Blackout Tuesday or— yeah, Definitely, because it's been, it's been two months since then. You know, and I really haven't said a lot when they went out. I was upset when I saw it because I knew nothing was going to come of it. And I was just like, okay, but I'm not going to just jump out there and say, oh, you're not going to do anything. Let me give it some time. It's been two months and you're in the industry, you're in the workings. Have you seen that big of a change? Like, I mean, no, I I, I think um, that's the simple answer. And I think sort of to sum up what you just went through, which was like a century and a half of persecution and the building of a system that's set up to screw black people, for lack of a better word, uh, I think we can't tackle all of it, right? And, right, right. you know, but but our take on it is within entertainment, and we know how powerful entertainment is. It's how most people get their news. It's how, you know, people watch movies and they assume it's true. People watch TV. I mean, look at who our, our president is, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's no better example, right? So from my perspective, I've I've struggled personally with knowing what to do and how to affect any sort of change. And I, I put a black square up because I was like, all right, well, I'm in solidarity with this movement and um, what can I do to, to help? And obviously that didn't do anything other than just show sort of a unified front. But I, I've been asking, I mean, you know, I've been asking people that are in powers of uh, positions of power, what are they doing? And like, what is happening and what can I do to, to help? And nobody really has an answer. Sure. I've seen a lot. I've seen like there's, there are new organizations that have 
popped up. There's like the Black Music Coalition. Yeah, shout out uh, Benta Brown. Yeah, and and I mean, Benta is amazing, and yeah. I'm sure whatever she's going to do is going to affect some change. But then I've got you know co-managers that I work with that are parts of similar um, organizations in LA, and I'm like, well, what's happened? He's like, we had one Zoom call. You know, and th- right, and that right. that's it. And it's like, you know, there have been some promotions. There's been people that have been promoted within labels and within Netflix. And, and, I, I, and I would like to say, uh, I'm assuming this, but all of those promotions were long overdue. For sure. Yeah, and it's like, like, right. And it's like, <laughs> are you doing this for because it's the right thing to do and the person earned it or because you want to show that you're taking charge? Right, right. I've seen cer- certain people there. Um, it's the guy from Reddit who stepped down. Right. Because he just he was like, I, the, put a minority in here. I don't need this job. You know, that that those kind of things have, have happened here and there. But uh, no, I mean, by and large, it's the same people. I think there are more. I think what I've seen is that there are more people like me who are white and in the music industry afraid. I'm not afraid, but I'm just saying like afraid of making the wrong decision and knowing that they're under a microscope. And so you're talking about heads of labels, heads of, you know, big departments and within not knowing what to do, not wanting to lose their job, not wanting to do the wrong thing, but not actually doing anything. You know, so that that's what I've, I've yeah, seen. A, I see a disconnect too yeah. as well. Like people like, okay, I want to do something, but a lot of that energy isn't coming from the people that actually are in the, there are positions of power, but when we talk about positions of power, we got to talk about the solutions, the leaders, the yep. ones that call the shots that trickle down to everyone else. We don't have enough of those positions for blacks because they're the ones creating the narrative of what is going to be popular. Right. You know, if we look at pop music and we look at the hip hop sector of it, what is glorified? Going back to Birth of a Nation. Is it aggressive, violent, sexually aggressive towards women, or unintelligent? You know, so until we can get people in those positions to shift the narrative, I think we'll continue in this position. And then we'll have people that want to be allies in fear because the ones that are above them, they'll really call the shots and be like, no, that's not how it's going to go. So, I mean, that's a great point. And I'm curious, like, so you're saying— that label heads are pushing artists that have violent lyrics or sexually aggressive lyrics or demeaning towards women or whatever it is because that's what's popular, but they've made it popular. So are you saying that they should be pushing, I mean, give me an example of a, of an artist. I mean, let's say just a, a Saba. Okay. You know, a kid like that should be pushed. Harder than, and I don't want to bring down anybody else, but I feel like harder than a the baby, right? Type character, right? You know what I'm saying? They're not and they're not a the baby as the person, but the message that he portrays. That type of music, Saba should be pushed harder, but it's not going to because of the imagery and the narrative that he projects and what he'll do to millions and millions of minds if his image is now projected as ideal rapper you know you look at the effect that Kanye had when he came in with the pink polos and everything he allowed people that didn't live a gangster life to feel like okay I can actually make 
music. Now, that's just on the music side, but then you also can look across in the culture and see how that shifted people's perspectives and sure. their confidence and being able to say, this is who I am, I'm a nerd, this is my life. Yep. If we don't have proper representation, we'll continue in the cycle of that birth of a nation in those four different categories, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's some glimmers of hope, right? I mean, there's like Tyler, the creator, I feel like, right, right. does not hold back his opinion on on anything, right? And but But yeah, I mean, if you look at the charts, like who are the top artists are the Migos talking about anything that's good for anything <laughs> you know are I mean they, good for are the they community? pushing an agenda on anything no like not at all right they're just talking about the same thing and it's again like, I enjoy all of that music same. but we have to put things into perspective and, and actually talk about it you know so I guess you know if that that would be an a fundamental change is to push artists that push a positive yeah. message but what about what about like I mean there there have been millions and millions and millions of dollars that have been set aside or donated, and like I know that's an easy, somewhat easy thing to do for companies that generate billions of dollars. Right. I, my question is, where is that money being spent? Is there any clarity on it? Because I, I don't see it. I mean, even even donations to. Brianna Taylor and and to George Floyd, like all of these funds are the GoFundMe. You know, I just saw Brianna Taylor uh, GoFundMe has like seven million dollars in it, and they, their goal was five hundred thousand. I don't know. I guess I could do more digging to find out where it's going. But like, when Warner Chapel donates two hundred fifty or twenty five million dollars, or if the NFL donates, where is that money going? Definitely. And it hit a point that I got to get to. So we're gonna go back. We're gonna get to donations. But an important part of the systematic racism, and I talk, we talked about the harm that it did to blacks. We also have to talk about the enrichment that it did to whites. And anytime I see donations and things of that nature coming from corporations that I know have profited off of the systematic racism, it doesn't feel like a donation. It's like, you owe us that money anyway. Right. So it's like, no, I, this isn't, don't make it feel like a handout. When you say, oh, we're donating this, like, no, you've made this money off our backs, right. so we're owed this. But, yeah, when it gets to donations, and I'm and we're good with words, we understand words. When people say things like pledge, pledge doesn't mean you actually did it. Yeah, I have an intent to right. give this amount of money. Right. And then, yeah, if nobody puts any pressure with a follow-up of, oh, what did you do with that $25 million you said you were going to pledge? Where did it go? Like, pledging it to eradicate racism, What that doesn't even make since to me. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's like, um, it's not going to happen overnight, right? Right. And but no, I'm saying when people just say blanket terms like, yeah, I'm oh, gonna I'm, give this. I'm giving this to, to prejudice. I'm giving this to, I was joking with my friend. I was like, man, I should have trademarked all those words. So like when people said that, I can be like, oh, thank you, you for your license. That. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it's like, yeah, where are you actually doing with this? Right. You know? I mean, I think, you know, if if there are new organizations that are being set up, if there are um, new efforts that are being funded, you have to give it some time, right? And it's like, you know, if if to me, I think the biggest difference that I could see is that you're donating to campaigns, right? And if if corporations really wanted to change the way things were, that's where you would see they would take their money out of the major parties or the major candidates and find people that really are pushing 
you know, some sort of change, some sort of agenda, because that's who can get laws changed and, you know, differences, you know, different things enacted. But I, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's hard because you want change immediately, but look at how long we've been living with this system. It's not going to just automatically. Do you feel like we're at a better spot now? Do you feel like because it's just so in your face that you can't avoid it, that it's change yeah, I gotta, is coming? I honestly have to give a shout out to COVID. You know, because it honestly had everybody sit down for a second. Right. Nobody and, got anything people, to do. Yeah, so nobody <laughs> had nothing to do. So that everybody was able to absorb this and sit down and see it. So now that's why we see more allies because it's like, Folks weren't so consumed with being in, at patios, drinking their margaritas and all that. They had to learn about this stuff. So they're like, wait, okay. It almost like uh, the Truman Show, you know? Right. They kind of snapped out of it and realized, oh, wait, this is... This is really happening, <laughs> this yeah. is This is make-believe life. Yeah, this yeah. is Okay, this is what's real over here. Right. Not this life that I thought I was in. And COVID did that for a lot of us. So, like, that's what amplified this time. So now people are more aware. But that's why I feel like... Right now, like the August months and moving forward is super important because, like I said on like Twitter and IG, let's do a, a year review. Let's yeah. let's check back in two years. Let's check back in three years. Where are we at? Like you said, these initiatives are going to take time, and I'll give people time to do that. But I'm still going to stay on people's foot to make sure that things are happening. I mean, I, I, I would think that we need to check in around November 4th, right? <laughs> you know, and, and, yeah. and see— not just with the president, right? I mean, if Trump wins again, I'm I'm out of here. Like I'm I'm leaving. I don't know where I'm going because we're not allowed to go anywhere. But yeah, like I'm I'm digging a hole. or Probably something. won't even be able to leave Illinois, right? Like we said earlier. So, <laughs> but like I, in, in terms of local government and right, right. and you know with the state senate, state house, and then you know as that spreads out, I do see a lot more younger minorities running for office, but. Um, we'll see how far they get and if they can really unseat some of these like long-standing assholes that have been serving for yeah and shout out to the youth because a lot of this a lot of this energy has been coming from for sure. the kids you know like i know and i text you that where the performative allyship we see a lot of like these acts where it's tearing down these statutes and it for a lot of these people in those neighborhoods, that actually means something. But yeah. I know it doesn't necessarily change uh, a law or anything like that. But a Christopher Columbus statue that's coming down, when you really dig into what Christopher Columbus did, you're like, why are we? Yeah, celebrating why are we that in this? Yeah, you know, he took a wrong turn. Yeah, and then <laughs> even not even just like that whole discovery thing, the his part that he played, right. And the slave trade. Yeah, you know, like he was a key member of like, okay, this is your route. This is how. You're gonna get it done. It's like, no, yeah, we're not gonna That's honor not that. That's not a good dude. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. So that performative allyship was like, you see these corporations doing, uh, like consumer facing promotions where it's like, tell me your stories. How do you feel about the movement? What's going on in your life? Like, no, it's not about what are the people doing. I want to hear from that's these corporations and how they really want to affect change and how they want to bring things about because they're the ones in the power positions, the CEOs of these companies, these, these board members. Like, what's, what is, what is your agenda? What's your plan? Like, yeah. because I feel like if you, they do enough of this performance stuff where it's like distracting people, chill back and be like, okay, they're, something's they're, happening. Yeah. They're really allies. They're about this. Yeah. And then we'll see around black Friday when they 
putting right. their products back over again. Right. And they've deleted all their, their Black Square messages, you know. Because yeah. you saw a lot of restaurants, especially here in Chicago, after what happened to Nene's Deli, they were like, they were just posting up to Black Lives Matter. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> oh, BLM. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're on your side. Yeah. yeah it was like, I, I mean, I feel like, um, I think that the people like Jay-Z and like LeBron and people that can really affect change with, they have power, they have money, they have a lot of money, and they have been successful in how they've done things. But relative to other wealth? True, true. I'm just saying, but like in terms of how to, you know, I look at it with what I know best, which is music and in, in contracts, it's like, how do you get out from under this system, right? Like, how do you actually affect change when you're in it? And so if I'm a young minority artist who's about to sign a deal that I'm giving 82% of my royalties to a label, am I going to think about it harder now than I did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and maybe say, well, no, I'm going to go sign with Rock Nation, you know, or I'm going to sign, I don't know, with with a, a Black-owned company, Um I I feel like those are the kind of things that need to happen because if these labels keep scooping up all of the best talent, how do you get out of it, right? How do you get out of that system? And there's also these artists knowing their worth, getting back into the history of music and understand how important uh, black people are to music and what they've created. And if they took that that sense of pride into their negotiations, I feel like, and that's where I want to see a shift as well, the demands would be a lot higher. Like, yeah. it, it won't be, oh, we're just going to give you this split because it's how the way we, it is. How the way it is. You know, like, last couple of months, anybody that say anything standard to me, I'm laughing. I'm oh, like, man. okay, no. So as long as if, if, if artists start understanding their value and understanding, okay, I am the creator of this, I made this, um, without me, there is no Spotify, okay. there is no Apple My- so now this is my worth. So understanding that before getting into these things, I think is going to help. And then, so that even goes back to the whole projection of the narrative from 1915 and blacks understanding their wealth or their worth when it comes to society. How is this, how are they projected in society is how they're going to feel when they go into negotiations. You know, so it's like if they understand their power, their content and all that, I think they'll we'll start seeing change on that aspect. And then having a black, more black executives, I feel, is going to be super important because it's just a feeling of comfort. You know, yeah. you, as a black artist, you sign with the label and you go in there and it's nothing but white people pitching to you how to sell to your fans who you know what they look like. And you're like, wait, you don't even understand my struggle. Um not to give away any names or anything, but I, I was a situation, an artist I was working with, signed with a company. Um, he moved out to L.A. off the events, and he didn't tell them to get him a spot, anything like that. He was just like, yo, can you help me find a place to stay? Oh, you know, they, they just probably like, you know, that's not really our job. We're not supposed right. to do that. And it's like... No, I'm not asking you to just get the spot, find me everything, but tell me what neighborhoods I should be staying in. Right. You know, if somebody moved to Chicago, I'm not going to send them off and be like, yeah, go live in Bridgeport. You know, it's a great place for you to, (laughs) you know, and it's not, but they don't understand 
where he was coming from because they don't connect to him culturally. They just understand how good his music and they don't understand him as a person. Right. They see it as a product. Yeah. So do you need more people that understand black people so it's more of a comfortable feeling for these artists? Yeah. I mean, I I, I can speak from personal experience, you know, working with closely with a publishing company and setting up a a joint venture with a couple of people. Um, My partners on it are black and like the, the entire team that we're working with are black. Like the A and R team, it, it's by and it and it it makes so much sense. You know, every artist that we're working with, that we're signing to the publishing company, is black. Like, I, you know, I'm not the creative, right? I'm not making the music. I feel comfortable because it just seems like, well, these people know everybody I'm working with. They know what they're doing. They're there for a reason, and I, you know, it's it's felt good it's just sort of felt normal and i kind of feel like that is how things are moving on a lower level within labels and and publishing companies is that the higher ups are realizing like we got to get people that artists feel comfortable with in the main role of of communicating with the artists you know and i mean i've been at meetings where it's the entire label is sitting there right and the majority of the people at the table are minority, but there's three dudes at the end of the table who are white and they're, all the shots, they're right? the ones that control the budget, you know? And, and so I think, you know, like I said, I think those three guys are probably scared right now. And, and that's good. I feel like they should be, and they should be making these changes internally. And, and again, it goes back to the artists saying, well, yeah, I don't, I don't feel comfortable. Like, why am I going to, why are these dudes, who are 60 years old and don't understand music anymore. Why are they the ones telling me, oh, it should sound more like this, or we don't hear it. Like, that's, I feel like that's dinosaur. That's the way of the dinosaur. Like, that is moving away. And a lot of artists don't know, and even most people in the industry don't understand, like, when they're signing with different labels, that it is, even though it may be a black A&R in the room with you when you're signing a deal and you're feeling like, oh, this is my guy, this, this ladder is going back up. And if you're with a smaller label that this A&R is with, I guarantee there's one of the big threes that are over you that's making decisions. Right. So going into understanding that is going to be super important as well. Like, okay, who am I really here with? Who is, what is this label and who are actually the owners of it? Yeah, I mean, so there's a positive in it that that I do see like the team, that the um, project manager and the A&R people that are working on projects more and more seem to be black. Right. Like, and, and... you know, but but are those people then are the A and R execs being elevated based on the success? Because you you know you get an A and R guy that signs a top artist and they make a little bit of money from that, you know that one percent or whatever they get on the contract. How many of those before they then become a vice president or the head of you know a department within a label? Like whoever signed a, a Roddy Rich yeah. should be a VP somewhere right now. Yeah. Hands out. Well, uh, what's a woman who signed uh, the baby? She at uh, she just got promoted um, at Interscope. Okay. To to a pretty high level. She's the youngest ever executive at a certain point. That that was like that's 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 how it should be. It shouldn't be like oh that's news. You know that's of course she signed one of the biggest acts in the last two years. It's a lot of untalented people that are scared right now. For sure.
you know, that, yeah. <laughs> that have been right. coasting along for a lo- for a while now, and they're yeah. like looking around, like, oh, wait a minute. Honestly, I, I see that the the holdouts in this, which is not surprising, is is within the radio world. You get just a lot of guys that have been doing the same thing, payola wise, and working the system from inside, and it's just a lot of old white dudes, you know. Um, and that that's going to take a minute, I think, to to break that down. Right, right. Um, yeah, and then you get like the the streaming platforms that don't have a lot of minority representation whatsoever. Yeah, the, I posted about twenty k for your execs over at Spotify. Two hundred k, I mean. Yeah. Yearly salary. I saw that they said, I don't know if it was Eck or who it was that just said that if musicians are struggling, they should just put out more music. It was uh, Eck? Is yeah. that his last? Yeah, yeah. It was him, yeah. It's like, how out of touch can you be? Name with... one song that you've ever written, right. Daniel. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> it's not as easy. It's like, as... artists can't put it out every three years if they want to survive. It's like, what? And you're a tech guy, so how are you going to now? That's Those are those type of things that upset me. And I'm like, oh, so you're going to come over into our culture, pretty much pillage it because you don't bring anything back to it. And now— Billions and billions of dollars off of it. Yeah, I think it was a $46 billion company now. And now you want to tell us, okay, this is how you're supposed to— Make more product. Just keep making it. Make more product for— hard. Think about the end goal of that. What does more product do for Spotify? More money, right. That being said, with uh, Lawyers for Musicians moving forward, we will always have these segments where we— talk about the culture and make sure we're bringing awareness to things because I think that's the very the most important part is shout out to the internet and all that. Now people have more awareness as to what's going on. So we will still keep you in, in the know with the legal issues and all of that, but also bringing a lot more culture to it and discussing those issues as well. Yeah, like you a know? status check, right? Yeah. Because it does, you know, time does weird things, right? And it's like people are, I don't think that Things are going to go back to the way that they were, but people get complacent, right? And there are other things that take your attention away from how things should be. Yeah, so we're still in this pandemic. We don't know how long this is going to last, but when people say, I can't wait for things to go back to normal, I just like, what is, yeah. Well, there isn't a new, here's the normal we're going back to on both ends. Like, if it, even when before the the movement started, we were looking at COVID like, okay, it's never going to be a new normal. We're thinking about shows and all yeah. that. And now with this, we're like, okay, it's two major issues in 2020. Like, now nah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to the future, though, because yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's kind of bright um, since a lot more people are in the know of things. And, and I feel like overall people are good. You know, uh, a majority of us want to do the right thing. It's just all those people that want to do good staying together right. and creating that energy. Being and not, unified. You know, because yeah. they, they, if you look at how, like, things get portrayed, they try and throw separation in there, you know. Within the black community, we have a thing called colorism, where they try and divide light skin versus dark skin. Um, within the LGBT community, they try and bring in the difference between homosexual and heterosexual and try and bring a divide there and say, black men aren't this, black women aren't that. So there's always a situation where they try and create a divide, but as long as people stay positive, I think we'll we'll fight through, be good to go, you know? Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think you have a choice but to look at it that way because if, if you don't, it's like the most depressing thing in the entire world. And then you you are digging, you, you're with me digging that hole, and I, I don't 
that's not a good place to be. Yeah. Maybe later we can also unpack, like, maybe not going to be this episode, but within the Jewish community as well. Like, I know we get the, the anti-Semitic comments come out a lot. And yeah. then just the difference between uh, when people speak bad about whites and then the white community tries to say, oh, you're being anti-Semitic, but it's like, no, we're not referencing our brothers over here. We understand that struggle and the hardships that they've went through. Yeah. I mean, I think when, when times get tough economically, like Jews are the scapegoat, that's, you just look at history and that's right, the way, right. way it's been and, it, and it's been tough recently. So there's been a lot of things in the news about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think we, we can talk about, I don't think it's on the same level. Right, there's right. just not a, there's just not necessarily the same level, but the the aspect of that and also how um the Caucasian community will try and latch on and say anytime somebody tries to say, Oh, whites are doing this, they said, No, you're being anti Semitic and we're like that aspect as well. Cause I know that's you're getting it from both ends now. You're like, wait a minute, who's really Yeah, what's really going on here? So Yeah. Yeah, that could take up a, like six episodes. I got a lot to say about that, but um yeah, that's what we're here for. We're, right. we're going to be talking about culture. I mean, like... Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like you have to stay... You you have to stay present with what's going on. And if we just got on here and we started talking about, you know, where Kanye's at with his contract, it's like that's not responsible in my in my eyes. You know, and it's like, you know, this isn't... This isn't uh, NBC News. We don't have that many listeners. But, like, from what we have, I feel like it's important that we express you know, our our position on it. And I, I, I feel like what we're talking about and what we're trying to do is is positive. Yeah. And we're, we're pretty smart. We have a good perspective. It's not like we're just on our babbling. You know, no, we're, we're I think so. Yeah, man. I mean, you, I didn't expect the history references that you pulled out there. That was impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you something before we, we wrap up. I just saw something in the news about there were there were leaders in Chicago specifically, or maybe it was just Illinois in, in general, saying that we should ban the teaching of history. Did you see that? No, I didn't. There was a, there was a new story. I don't know exactly who, but there was a, a, a black leader who was saying that um, history, the way it's taught in schools, is is incorrect. And so, no, I do agree with that. Yeah. But to just ban it. To and ban it is is bad because well, right because you you don't learn everything that you've already talked about today. How would anybody know? Right, you got to understand that? the past. I think it needs the curriculum needs to change for sure. Because uh, I did think about that at the point. I was like, wait a minute, what was how was history for me? And it was like slavery happened. Y'all, you pick cotton. It ended. Martin Luther King died. Racism's over. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Like, like, yeah, and that was probably all taught in February. Yeah, right. You know, you know, like, February they they posted a bunch of pictures, and then yeah. we went back to the presidents. We learned yeah. about every president, and I'm like, we never learned that Thomas Jefferson did X, Y, and Z. No. So yeah, it needs to be. I feel like most people know how how um, Thomas Jefferson and George Washington had slaves from Hamilton. The musical. Definitely. Right? Like, I mean, and that's, again, that's how entertainment can shape things. <laughs> exactly. And it can be in the, pos- you know, it can be positive, too, because that did bring a lot of eyeballs and, you know, ears to, to realizing, oh, wait a second. Because what kicks that off is you're like, wait, he don't say, and then you get on your phone, start yeah. looking up, oh, wait, then. Yeah. And he had all sorts of kids with slaves. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, not the best guy in the world. Super smart, right? Amazing writer. But if you look at the moral compass of of the founding fathers is a little questionable. So, yeah. I, I mean, my perspective, like I said, I was a history major and, you know, I thought I wanted to teach history and then I realized oh, I actually want to make some money. So I, <laughs> I, 
I decided not to do that. But like, you know, it it you you need to examine the full person. I'm not saying everybody's flawed, right? So right. it's like there's some major flaws with certain people. And I understand the ripping down of statues. I understand all of that. But it's like, well, figure out the full aspect of people. And that's what I think history should do. It's like you look at it from all angles and all perspectives. But yeah, all the history textbooks are written by primarily by white dudes, right? So it's like, what, you know, what are, what do you expect them to, to you're write a young about? black kid and you're like, how did I get here? Right. I'm here in America. How am I here now? And then you go through a history lesson like that. You're like, oh, well, okay. It wasn't that bad, I guess. we did. Yeah. And then even with, I want to reteach slavery as well because they make the, make it seem like all blacks did was pick cotton and they don't understand the infrastructure that was built. That was built off of. Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't just yeah. cotton. It was everything. Free roads, labor. Just yeah. free labor in general. And then when you look around and you see any time there's a situation of free labor, you understand what it is. That's why I'm so hard on the NCAA. It's like yeah. that is an aspect of free labor. So it's Absolutely. Like, until, and if you don't understand that aspect from right. history, exactly. you'll never catch it when it's in, in, in present time. You know? Yeah. Cool. So, cool beans. Don, how you feeling in there? I'm pretty good. Awesome, awesome. This is uh, a, a, a bit heavier of a of a lawyer for musician podcast, yeah, but I think good, it though. needs to be right. Yeah, it was like a it was like a good bike ride, nice release, you know. <laughs> I guess <laughs> <laughs> you know I had to throw a joke in there somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so yeah, I guess this is. I don't know what episode we're gonna call it. Episode one. Who cares? Rebirth. I mean, yeah, every day point. during the pandemic is Tuesday. Like I don't I don't know where we're in August now. It's crazy. So true, indeed. True, whatever. Indeed. So yeah, it's a, it's a new episode. Thank you for staying with us this whole time. Shout out Don. Shout out Classic Studios. Uh, shout out the Kaplan family for letting Josh come outside. <laughs> Same and, with the uh, Sanders Club. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Next uh, next episode, we'll we'll have some more legal news. But yeah, you know, this was fun. Likewise, I I think so too. Cool Glad and. Wait, I'm just realizing, was that intentional? You coming in with the Twins hat and I have on the Sox hat? Were you trying to like... I mean, I'm a Twins fan and I assume you are a White Sox fan, so it's not that that crazy. I'm, technically, I'm a Joe Fresh Goods fan. I mean, I, I tried to get the Joe Fresh Goods <laughs> Twins hat, which sold out in like, I don't even know. I thought I got it on the... Yeah. I didn't know there were that many Twins fans out there that liked Joe Fresh Goods. It's a lot of... Yeah, it's a can lot of you, Joe, just Joe Fresh Good can fans. Can you hook that up as you got in the back back room there? I don't know. The only reason I'm good is because I wear a, a seven and three fourths. Yeah, big head. Yeah, so big he, brand big head. Right? Hey, so he's <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, I never run out of these. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't even know what size. I got a seven and three eighths. Okay, that's just a little bit smaller. Yeah, you right there. Yeah. Let me let me see what's good over there. All right. Cool beans. All right, Eddie. All right, Josh. Talk to you later. Okay. Peace. I don't know if the real estate lobby is anything against black people, but I know the real estate lobbies keep me in the ghetto. I don't know if the Board of Education hates black people, but I know the textbooks that give my children to read and the schools that we have to go to. Now, this is the evidence. You want me to make an act of faith, risking myself, my wife, my woman, my sister, my children, on some idealism which you assure me exists in America, which I have never seen.